Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome again to another great, exciting week of teachings from Warren Litzman. Now, today we are beginning a new series of teachings on the gospel of deliverance. This is going to be very special, very interesting, and the goal in this is to begin to aim you, the listeners, toward the freedom in Christ. Let's get right into it. Here's Warren. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I have spent many years of my life trying to learn the Lord, learn God, learn Jesus Christ. Because I believe they were real and I believe they were essential. But I didn't know much about them. I, was, I read the Bible all the time, and I read all sorts of religious books. But personally, I didn't really know the Lord. I was saved. I knew I'd go to heaven. I knew I wouldn't go to hell. But I didn't really know the Lord. And in my hunger to know the Lord, I was led by the Lord to a study in the Scriptures. By that time in my life, and that's been about 44, 45 years ago, by that time in my life, I had, uh, I had preached around the world. I had taught in two colleges. But I was just overwhelmed by the fact that there was more to learn about God than, than I knew, and I wasn't running into anybody that could help me. And one day, while in prayer, the Holy Spirit impressed me to go to Paul's epistles. Now, I had taught Paul's epistles in college, and I was sure I knew everything about them there was to know, because you could quote a verse, and I could almost tell you what the next verse said. But I obeyed the Spirit, and I went into Paul's epistles, and sure enough, as soon as I got into his epistles, it opened up to me why I was there. All of a sudden, I began to see things I'd never seen before. I had nobody's commentary or book or instructions. I was just uh, reading the Scriptures, and the Holy Spirit was helping me. And I went through that for about two years. And during that two years, I learned something from Paul that radically changed my life. Uh, the first thing I learned from Paul was that he knew a Christ that I didn't know, and at that time, I had never heard anybody else talk about. That may seem a little strange to you, but that's the way it came to me, that Paul knew a Christ that I didn't know anything about. And the other thing I learned from Paul's epistles was, was that uh, something happened to me at the cross that I didn't know anything about. I had always known that Christ died for my sins. But I learned from Paul something else. I learned something very personal about what happened to me at the cross. So with these two factors in mind, it didn't take me long to figure that Paul knew something that I needed to know. And that's when I began to make a study of this one man. Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, the apostle of grace. 
And the more I studied him, the more these two things were enlightened to me. I began to see that Paul, who never met Jesus of Nazareth, we don't know even if he was ever in a meeting. That would be possible. Christ had 5,000 people in a meeting, so Paul could have been standing around somewhere. They were the same age, and they lived at the same time and were in the Holy Land, so to speak. But he didn't, he didn't know this Jesus at that time. But he was to come to know this Christ in a very vivid way, probably about seven to ten years later than that. He came to know Christ. He was walking down the road of Damascus on his way to destroy followers of Christ. In God's plan, he was the meanest man on earth because he had already imprisoned and caused the death of any number of the people who had followed Jesus of Nazareth. And so this same Jesus knocked him down, struck him blind in his eyes. He was blind and hollered out of heaven at him and simply said to him, you're not going to be able to fight me any longer. Just that simple. Those scriptural words were, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks, which was an old way of running an oxen wagon. So he said, you're not going to be able to fight me anymore. And from that point on, Paul moved into a whole different existence. He was a chosen vessel, a chosen person by Jesus Christ himself. And so he had to begin to learn who Jesus was. The one he had been out fighting and destroying the followers of under instructions from the Lord. He had to begin to learn this Christ. He was destined to be a very special person in God's plan. But then, as he grew in this understanding, he began to see that all human beings could only be who they were by what he had learned about Jesus Christ. He says that in several different ways in his epistles. He wrote 14 letters we call epistles. And in each of these epistles, he would say something about how he had gotten this from Jesus Christ and had to pass it on to the rest of us. So in his learning process, he came to know things that were above and beyond anything else that's ever been in this book. For instance, no person who ever wrote in the Bible, no prophet or priest or king, knew the things that Jesus was going to tell him about human beings. Not a one of them wrote about the things of who and what a human being was. And that's why you can read the Bible again and again and not get a whole lot of help out of it because none of these knew how a human being was to function, how they were to, how they were to live. But Jesus told Paul things that had never been said to anybody before. And that's what he writes about in these epistles. All of these things that Jesus gave him are in the epistles and can be seen in, in the verses. If you can read, you can see that. 
But a strange thing has happened to humanity. Most people in religion have paid very little attention to Paul. They paid very little attention to his writings. I would say that 75% of the ministers in modern religion know less about Paul than they do anything else in the Scriptures. And there are many reasons for that that I wouldn't want to go into now. But I bring that up because I want to tell you something about Paul that can make a difference in your life. I want to tell you something that Jesus never told anybody else but the Apostle Paul that can help you. It helped me. I became a whole new creature, not just in word, but in life itself when I listened to what Paul had to say. He is the first man in this book that knew how a human being was put together or as we said psychology, he knew what made a human tick. Nobody else in God's Word ever dealt with the subject nor was given the subject until the Apostle Paul came along. But he knew just exactly how a human being was put together with with information he received from Christ. Jesus told him after he had met him on the road to Damascus that get up and go on your way and I'll show you the things that you're supposed to do. And those are the things he gives us here. But the basic thing that Paul really learned was about human beings. I don't know if you ever looked in a mirror and said, who am I? Or who is this I'm looking at? Or why does this happen to me? Or why am I in this mess? Or why am I different? The only person Jesus ever gave instruction to on that subject was the Apostle Paul. He gave it directly to him. Keep in mind, he didn't give it to anybody else in the Bible. But he did give it to Paul. So that when Paul began to write his epistles... He wrote from a whole different basis of understanding. He wrote from a different wisdom than anybody else in this book wrote from because God had never given that information to anybody else until he raised up Paul, who was the meanest man on earth. Somebody says, why would God raise up the meanest man on earth to be his uh, final teacher and prophet? It's simple. He was to bring us grace. And grace is no greater displayed anywhere in the Bible than the grace that God gave to Saul of Tarsus, later known as Paul the Apostle. So the meanest man on earth received the grace of God and was able to tell others exactly what life was, what it was all about, but especially how a human being was put together. If we listen to Paul, we come to a knowledge about ourselves that's important. So important, for instance, that if we don't come to that knowledge, we may never know who we are. We may never know ourselves. I believe that most human beings are going to live and die, however smart they are, however intelligent or educated they are, they're going to live and die and never know who they are. Because you see, from the moment you're born, somebody else takes your life in their hands and you begin to learn. You learn what they teach you. 
You learn by how they handle you. They learn by how they love you or hate you. That's where your life begins. So your life very possibly is something that never has anything really to do with who you are as far as God is concerned. And so when I use a statement, people don't know who they are, I'm talking to you about a factor that most of us are going to come into the world. Somebody else is going to teach us, rule us, guide us, direct us, and we're going to take a little of this and a little of that from whatever's there. First parents, first grade in school, we start a new life. In college, we start another new life. With business, we start another new life. All of these are inputs into us that may keep us from never knowing who we are. Now, what's the frustration of life? What's the greatest frustration in life? It is to live every day with this idea, this is not really what I want to do. This is not really me. This is not really who I am. That's the frustration. So what do we do with frustration? We try to obliterate it, drown it out. Get past it. But that means we're going to live and die and never really know who we are. You see, I believe that God created every human being especially for His glory. That is, He created them not for mom and daddy to have you, not for the world to have you or money to rule you or whatever. He created you for Himself. So when you were in a mother's womb, God put a special touch on you. Everybody in a mother's womb had a different touch. So that there are no two babies that come out of a mother's womb that are the same. No two. All different. I ran into uh, uh, some twins here the other day. And in ways, they look alike. But the parents said, boy, there is no connection between them and the rest of this family. They are different. So it is. God did that to every one of us. You see, that's how often we get in trouble because we don't know that. That God made us to be special just to Him. Because somebody's going to come along and try to to make you over, try to make you who they want you to be or make you like them. But God created every human being for His glory. He created every human being to bring Him honor and glory. That was His intention. That was His whole intention. So the best place to start looking at this issue that I'm on is what is a human being. The Apostle Paul is the only one I know of in the Scriptures that was ever told by God what is a human being. To me, that's very important. Somebody says, you sure make a big play on Paul. Well, I have to. He knows things nobody else knew. (coughs) Things that fit me, that have to do with me, who I am, or who I want to be, and so forth. You see, 
The big thing Paul knew was that every human being was created to possess another life. He never created anybody to live their own life. Nobody. Nobody is made to live their own life. And that's why life is hard to live. You weren't made to live your life. You were actually made to live the life of another. And so God had all that in His plan. I know Keith has drawn some circles for you, but uh, I want to draw a circle or two here to help you see this. When you were created, you were created what we call a tripartite being. Meaning that you were made up of body, soul, and spirit. That's what God created a human being to be. He intended that this spirit here be filled with Christ. But you know the story. The first two humans he created disobeyed God. And instead of their spirit becoming the spirit of Christ, which is what a Christian is, they become sinful. Suddenly, their spirit was joined to Satan or sin. So that religiously, since Adam and Eve, every human being that comes into the world has a sin nature. What is a sin nature? It's not only what the term suggests. But a sin nature is contrary to all the rest of this creation. Because your body and your soul are created to have another in you. I know you've uh, talked about Ephesians 1 and 4. According as he has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Why is that such an important verse? Because that means that this whole creature here was created in God's mind, before the foundation of the world, to have Christ in you. So that your soul and your body are fixed. The only way they can operate properly is with Christ in you. That's what the Bible says. You either take that or leave it. But that's the only thing we know about human beings that's important. You were fixed in soul and body to be possessed by another life. How come? God knew that sin would enter into the world. That was important because that's a whole other story I won't go into. But God knew that. So now he has a tripartite being that's out of order. It never will function properly. Because it is, it is a machine that's been made to, to have Ford parts and you're trying to put Chevy parts in it. It'll never, it'll never function right. So that soulishly, this individual is going to be constantly bound by frustration. How to do it? What to do? What's right for me? Where do I go from here? Frustration. That's what we try to kill out is a frustration. But frustration is a result. It's not the problem. The problem is that the life is not what God created it to be. 
Now remember, every one of us are different in a mother's womb. And when we come out, every one of us are special to God in that each one of us can bring God honor and glory all by ourselves. We're His creation. Well, we have an entire Old Testament that deals with human beings who have a sin nature. That sin nature can only be brought under control by this person. Soulishly. They try to bring this nature under control. Once again, deeper frustration sets in because you have a wanter here in your mind. The soul is made up of the mind, the emotions, and the intellect. In your soulish part, you have a desire to do things good, do them right. But it's not going to work because the parts don't fit together. They just don't fit. And so you're never going to make them work on your own. Oh, you can abate it for a while. You can submerge it for a little while. You can do good for a little while. But never in your existence can you make it work because there's something important missing. Well... In God's plan, at the same time, you were chosen to have Christ in you. Ephesians 1 and 4. Chosen to be in Christ. He did another unusual thing. The only two things God did before creation. Two things He did to you. One of them was He planned to put Christ in you. And the other one was, in 1 Peter 1 and 20, that the Lamb, Jesus, was killed on God's part before this world ever started, as the remedy for this sin nature. How to get rid of it. The cross would be the answer. So we have two things, and the only two scriptures I have ever found, that tells us what was in God's mind before He created the world. Now, the world today has... Uh, I saw something on the news today where they discovered something that went back 125 million years. Well, they know something the Bible doesn't talk about. That's entirely possible. But the Bible doesn't talk about that because that doesn't have anything to do with us. And if you noticed humanity, it's always talking about something that really doesn't have to do with us. they got all sorts of cures and remedies and ideas and intellect that really doesn't have anything to do with us because our problem is seated right here. That's where our problem really is. So the two things God planned... To straighten out this dilemma that Adam and Eve got us into. He planned to put Christ in you. Because Christ is the only thing that fits. That's the only thing that fits your creation. Nothing else will fit it. You can educate it. You can train it. You can beat yourself over the head. Or you can get drunk every night. But nothing is ever going to fit it. Because you weren't created for anything other than Christ to live in you. Now, I know that's a far-out statement, but I hope what you see in it is how far religion is from the truth. It's trying to make us good people all the time when that's not our problem. Our problem is Christ. Our problem is the need of Christ as our life. Well, how are we going to get straightened out? What's going what's to really straighten us out and bring us to what it is we were created to be? Well, let's go back here. To another body 
soul, and spirit. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, probably the first thing in your mind, and that's brought about by whoever is teaching or preaching at the time, is that Christ died for your sins, and you're going to be free from all your sins now. And you can have all sorts of Scripture to back that up. But that's what you think. I'm going to be free of my sin. But when God looks at any sinner that comes before Him, that has this sin nature in them, He sees that their need is not just to get rid of their sin, but their need is to get that missing part. Colossians 2.10 says, We are completed in Christ. Powerful Scripture. So the only way a human being ever becomes completed to what their creation is, is in Christ. And then over in, uh, uh, let's see if I find the scripture here. In First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, Paul gives us a verse that says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Ah, oh. he's told us something very important. He says that when you accept Christ, and that's a spiritual thing, doesn't go into your body or soul, goes into your spirit. When you accept Christ, that not only completes you, but it makes you one person. He that is joined to the Lord is one person, one spirit, one life. That's what salvation is. So when you got saved, if you were saved under the banner that now this is going to correct me and straighten me out. Probably did for a little while. For some, it continues on. But for most, it doesn't. They fall away. And the reason why is that salvation is not a correction. God never intended to correct people who were bad and make them good. That's not His. Jesus didn't die on the cross to make us all good. That's the way the world chastises Christians now. They say, well, they're goody-goody people running around. It isn't us good. It's another life in us. The part of the gospel that Paul got that nobody else got anywhere in the Scriptures. It's Christ in you, your hope of glory. Well, we're going to stop right here. Great series of this new study on the Gospel of Deliverance by Warren Litzman. Now, don't forget, learn about who we are, what we are, what this in Christ message is, this Christ life message. You can do it by going to our website, christ-life.org, and read all about us. And please tell your family and friends about this podcast and help us spread this great in Christ message. Our thanks to Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each week to bring you these great messages. Also to Valerie Hill, who does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock, she does the weekly podcast notes. And this program is produced weekly by the very talented Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life 